We're going to be learning in Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi, the first piece in Hilchus Shechenim. This is Perak Beis Halacha Yud Aleph. And in this piece, Rab Chaim analyzes the Halacha of brothers who split up an inheritance. The Rambam rules that they don't need a Kinyan, an actual physical action to divide up the property, but even a lottery alone is sufficient. So Rab Chaim is going to explain the basis for that. And that gets into the fundamental issue of how dividing up an inheritance works. The Rambam writes, If brothers split their inheritance and they do a lottery to assign the portions to each brother. So, As soon as the lottery gives one portion to a specific brother, they all acquire the rest of it. Meaning that brother acquires his portion fully and now the rest of the inheritance belongs to the remaining brothers to divide amongst themselves. So even though Ordinarily, in order to complete a transaction, there needs to be a Kenyan, some sort of physical action that completes the transaction. In this case, we do not need a Kenyan. Just the lottery itself assigning a portion to the brother completes the transaction and the rest of the brothers move on to the rest of the inheritance. Now, the Rambam explains, because of the benefit that each brother gets, because everyone agrees to follow this process. So they all have a vested interest in doing it this way because they all want to do it through a lottery. So because of the benefit that they each get because they all agreed to do it through a lottery, each one agrees to do the Kenyan even without a physical action, but they transfer full ownership through the lottery alone. So ordinarily there needs to be a Kenyan in order to make sure that people are serious and the buyer and the seller actually want this transaction to go through. But in this case, that rule is suspended because since they all want the lottery to be the way of dividing the inheritance, so they all agree to do the transaction even without a Kenyan, just with the lottery alone. So that's the way the Rambam presents this halacha. Now the Raivid disagrees, this is not correct, says the Raivid. So the Raivid seems to hold that even in this case, a Kenyan is required for each brother to take ownership of their portion. Now, the Magid Mishnah questions the Raivid because the ruling of the Rambam is an explicit Gemara in Baba Basra Kuf Vav. The Gemara quotes a Brisa, Tanya, Rabbi Yossi, Omer, Ha'achin, Shecholku, Kivan, Sha'ala, Gora, Le'echad, Mehem, Kanu, Kulam. Rabbi Yossi says that when brothers split up an inheritance, as soon as the lottery assigns a portion, they all acquire the rest of it. And Rav Ashi explains, The benefit that they're all listening and agreeing to the process. So because of that, they all agree to complete the transaction, even with the Goral, the lottery alone, even without a Kenyan. So this is basically an explicit Gemara that the Rambam recorded, and nobody in the Gemara disagrees on that. So why is the Ravid disagreeing with this ruling? So Rab Chaim explains the view of the Ravid based on how he reads the Gemara in Babe Basra. The Gemara in Babe Basra says, my taima, what is the reason for Rabbi Yossi's ruling that the brother acquire their portion through the lottery alone. So Rebbe Lezer explains that it's like they originally divided up the land of Israel. 
each tribe got their portion through a lottery. So just like they were able to divide Israel through a lottery alone, and that completed the transfer. So the Gemara is extending that this also works anytime people divide property. So anytime there's partners who own property and they want to divide it up amongst themselves, they can do so with a lottery alone. And this is derived from the fact that the Torah says that such a lottery worked when they divided Eretz Yisrael. So if it worked in that original case, it should work for all partnerships that are dissolving, including brothers who are dividing up their inheritance, that a lottery alone is able to complete the transfer. So that is the first view of the Gemara. Now, Rab Chaim says that this should depend on the issue of Breira, whether we can retroactively clarify what the case was. So once the partners divide up the property, do we say that this division was always in place? It was just unknown and now it was clarified. But the division itself is pre-existing, so they're only clarifying what the reality was. Or do we say that this is a new division? Up until now, everything was jointly owned. There was no division. And now, from this moment on, they are dividing the property. So, says Rab Chaim, if we say yesh breira, that they're just splitting up the property, which anyways is divided, so then they're partners. Now they're dissolving the partnership, and each one is taking their property. So it should not require a Kenyan. So we could derive from the case of dividing up Eretz Yisrael that no Kenyan is required to dissolve the partnership and for each one to get their portion. But if there's no Breira, so then the relationship is Lekuchos. They're actually buying off of each other. So there was no pre-existing division. They're now creating a new division and each one of the partners is turning into a buyer purchasing his portion portion from the rest of the partners in exchange for giving them their portions. So that does require a Kenyan. Now, Tosos and Babakama Peches writes that when it came to dividing Eretz Yisrael, everyone agrees Yesh Breira. So that was clearly a case not where each tribe was buying their portion off of the rest of the tribes, but they were clarifying a pre-existing division. So that is a clear case of Yesh Breira. So if so, says Rab Chaim, all we learn from the division of Eretz Yisrael is that if there's Breira, then a lottery alone can transfer ownership of the portions and there doesn't need to be a Kenyan. But we never see from that division that even if there's no Breira and the partners are now buying their portion off of each other, that they don't require a Kenyan. So that we're unable to learn from the division of Eretz Yisrael. Now, brothers who are splitting an inheritance is a debate whether there's a Breira or not. So the fact that the Gemara in Baba Basra derives that brothers do not need a Kenyan because of the way Israel was divided. So obviously, according to that Gemara, brothers who split an inheritance have Breira, and that's why it's similar to dividing Eretz Yisrael. But we hold that brothers who divide an inheritance don't have Breira. That's how we rule on a practical level. So we cannot derive that brothers are able to divide an inheritance with the lottery alone because, again, they are purchasing their portions off of each brother and that requires a Kenyan because it's unlike the division of Eretz Yisrael, which had Breira. So if so, says Rab Chaim, that's what the Ravid is asking on the Rambam. How can you quote this ruling of Rabbi Yossi in the Gemara Baba Basra when the Gemara there explains it based on the concept of Yesh Breira, that when 
when brothers divide an inheritance, they're clarifying a pre-existing division. But we don't hold that, says the Ravid. We hold that there's no Brera in that case. So they certainly do need a Kenyan. So why is the Rambam ruling that they do not need a Kenyan? So that is the Ravid's question. Again, even though the Rambam's ruling is an explicit Gemara in Baba Basra, but the Ravid holds that that follows the approach of Yesh Brera when dividing an inheritance. And we do not rule like that. So the Ravid holds that when brothers divide an inheritance, they would require a Kenyan in order to complete the transfer and the lottery alone cannot do it. So that's Rab Chaim's suggestion to explain the comment of the Ravid. But now Rab Chaim points out that the Gemara in Baba Basra there continues. And it asks, how can Rabbi Lezer derive dividing an inheritance from when they divided Eretz Yisrael? Because when they divided Eretz Yisrael, there was klapi v'urim betumim. They divided it with the explicit directions of Hashem. He told them how to run the lottery and the urim v'tumim of the Kohen Gadol was giving them directions. So afkan beklapi v'urim v'tumim. So do you want to divide the brother's inheritance also using the lottery of the desert and the urim v'tumim? So obviously we don't do it that way. The brothers just do their own very human, non-divine lottery. So how do we know that that sort of lottery also completes the transaction? So now the Gemara quotes, Amar Ravashi because of the benefit that each brother gets from everyone using the lottery, they acquire it one to the other. So it sounds like Rav Ashi is giving a totally new explanation for this halacha and he's rejecting Reb Lezer's explanation. So that undermines Rav Chaim's whole explanation for the Ravid's approach because if we follow Rav Ashi, which is exactly what the Rambam said, so it doesn't depend on Bereira. And Rav Chaim said that the Ravid is questioning the Rambam because he doesn't fit into Rebbe Lezer, which is the first explanation of this halacha. But at the end of the day, the Gemara seems to go with a different explanation. So Rab Chaim explains that whether Rav Ashi is disagreeing with Rebbe Lezer depends on the version of the text of the Gemara. So some versions have the word Ella Amar Rav Ashi, rather Rav Ashi said. So there it sounds like he's disagreeing with Rebbe Lezer. And Rav Ashi saying it has nothing to do with the division of Eretz Yisrael. The reason why the inheritance is acquired through the lotteries is not derived from the division of Eretz Yisrael. It has a separate logic. But then there is another text of the Gemara which is missing the word Ella. So it just says Amar Rav Ashi. So there it sounds like Rav Ashi is building on Rebbe Lezer. The reason we're able to learn out from the division of Eretz Yisrael is because of this logic that the brothers want the transfer to happen. So Rav Ashi is building on Rebbe Lezer. So says Rav Chaim, this debate between the Rambam and the Ravid depends on those two versions. The Rambam had the version of Ella that Rav Ashi is a totally new explanation and he's rejecting Rebbe Lezer's explanation. So according to Rav Ashi, it has nothing to do with the division of Eretz Yisrael and it's totally irrelevant to the issue of Brera. Either way, Rav Ashi says that when the brothers do the lottery, they want the transaction to be completed and it works. So that's how the Rambam rules, quoting the approach of Rav Ashi. The Ravid, on the other hand, does not have the version of Ella. So according to his reading of the Gemara, Rav Ashi is building on Rebbe Lezer, but he's staying with the overall theme that we derive the inheritance division from the division of Eretz Yisrael. So according to the Ravid, the whole issue depends on Brera, and this whole Gemara is following the view that brothers who split an inheritance have Brera, which is why it compares it to dividing Eretz Yisrael. But Lahalacha, we follow the view that 
brothers who split an inheritance do not have Brera, so therefore we cannot learn it out from dividing Eretz Yisrael, and there needs to be a Kenyan in order to acquire the portions of the inheritance. So that explains how the Rambam and the Raivid read this Gemara and came to opposing conclusions, because the Rambam sees Rav Ashi as rejecting Rebbe Lezer, so the Halacha follows Rav Ashi, and the Raivid sees Rav Ashi as building on Rebbe Lezer, and that all depends on Brera, but in this case there's no Brera, so that's why the Raivid concludes that we don't follow that Gemara practically. Now, Rab Chaim asks, according to the view that there is no Ella, which is the approach of the Raivid. So the Gemara asked on Rebbe Lezer, how can we derive dividing an inheritance from dividing Israel when we don't follow the procedures of the lottery that was followed originally when they split up Eretz Yisrael, and there's no Urim Betumim, so there's no divine intervention. So this is not a full-fledged lottery that should complete the transaction. That was the question of the Gemara. So what is Rav Ashi's answer help? Rav Ashi said that the brothers want the lottery to complete the transaction. But how does that answer the question of the Gemara that this is not a valid lottery? The whole issue is that if we're learning out from dividing Eretz Yisrael, that was a high caliber lottery, which is not the caliber of a regular lottery dividing an inheritance. So how does Rav Ashi answer that question at all? According to the Rambam, this is not an issue at all because Rav Ashi is not answering that question. He's offering a totally different approach, which stands on its own. But according to the view of the Raivid, how is Rav Ashi answering the question of the Gemara? So Rav Chaim explains, using his general framework, that there must be two different components to what happened when they originally divided Eretz Yisrael. One was the lottery, and the second component was the klapi v'urim v'tumim, the way the lottery was done with Hashem's intervention. So those are two different elements of what happened. On the one hand, they had to divide up Eretz Yisrael, and then second, they needed to clarify which portion belonged to which tribe. Now, the Klapi v'urim v'tumim, Hashem's intervention helped that they were able to clarify which portion went to which Shevet. But that did not help divide the land itself. They still needed to divide the land, and that was accomplished purely through the lottery. So the lottery, even without the divine intervention, was what divided the land into different portions. And the explanation of this is because originally when the Jews came to Eretz Yisrael, they all owned it communally. So it was not divided into portions. The whole land was one portion, which was owned by all of the Jews together. So the first thing they needed to do was divide it into different portions in order to be able to allocate to different shvatim their section. So in order to do that, they did a lottery and the lottery on its own was able to divide the land into separate sections. Now, then they needed to clarify which portion went to which Shevet so that they did with the Klapi V'urim V'tumim through the divine intervention. Not that these were two different steps that happened at two different times. They all happened at the same moment. There was only one moment of the lottery, but that moment of the lottery accomplished two different things using two different mechanisms. So the divine intervention was what clarified which portion belonged to which Shevet, but the lottery itself 
created the different portions which were being allocated. Now, the lottery itself did not have the power to complete the transfer. That could only be done because in this case, there was Brera, and the divine intervention through the Klapi, Ve'urim, Ve'tumim, ensured that they were making the right decision and giving each Shevet the portion that belonged to them. So that's how they were able to complete the transfer, dividing Eretz Yisrael, and each tribe got their portion. But the lottery, even though it was not able to complete the transfer, it was able to divide the land into different portions. So they needed both components working together. The Klapi V'urim V'tumim, Hashem's intervention, was not able to divide the land into different portions. So that's why they needed the lottery in order to do that. But the lottery was not able to complete the transfer, so that's why they needed Hashem's intervention. So now if we apply this into the Gemara, that explains what the Gemara is saying. Because Rab Chaim says there's actually a question. How could the Gemara ever think to compare dividing an inheritance with dividing Eretz Yisrael? When brothers divide an inheritance, even if we follow the view that Yesh Breira, so they are allocating a pre-existing division. But that doesn't mean that when one brother gets the west side and the other brother gets the north side and the other brother gets the east side, they're each getting the divinely preordained portion that belonged to them and none other of the brothers. So this is the portion which was supposed to be theirs under the laws and history of the world and the Torah. That's certainly not what's going on. Any of the brothers could get any part of the inheritance. They all jointly owned the inheritance and the west side or the east side could belong to any one of the brothers. So it's just random which section each brother is ending up with. So what does it mean yesh breira when the brothers divide the inheritance? It means that each one is getting a section that it turns out belongs to them under the inheritance. So we're clarifying which part of the inheritance is going to belong to them, but it's not saying that the whole history of the world was leading up to this moment that brother X should get the section on the east. So in that sense, it's very different than dividing Eretz Yisrael, where that is the case. Each tribe got the part that belonged to them under the whole history and laws of the Torah. All of creation was predicated leading up to the moment when Hashem gave each tribe their divinely preordained part of Eretz Yisrael. So how can we compare that process where Hashem coordinated each tribe getting the section which was meant to be theirs? How is that comparable to brothers dividing an inheritance and they each get the section which is going to be theirs under the inheritance? But there is no preordained deep-seated connection between this brother and the property that he's going to get. So how can we compare the fact that a lottery divided up Eretz Yisrael and say that it also works in the inheritance even if the inheritance has Brera, but it works so differently than the lottery dividing up Eretz Yisrael that it seems hard to derive the inheritance from dividing up Eretz Yisrael. So says Rab Chaim, this in fact is the deeper meaning of what the Gemara is asking on Rebbe Lezer. How can you derive dividing up an inheritance from dividing up Eretz Yisrael? Even if we say that the brothers have Brera, but even so the Brera in that case and in any other case 
where partners are dissolving a partnership, in all cases in the world that we say that there's Breira, they're all different from the division of Eretz Yisrael. Because in the regular cases, we're just saying that once the division occurs, so each person gets the part that's rightfully theirs under dissolving this partnership or this inheritance. But we're not saying that this is the part that Hashem preordained for them from the beginning of time, which is the case in terms of dividing Eretz Yisrael, that each tribe got the portion that was supposed to be theirs in a much deeper way. It's not just that there was Brera, that it turned out each one of them got a section that now belongs to them. Each one of them got the section that Hashem wanted to be theirs. So of course that worked without a Kenyan. But we can't derive from that to a regular division of a partnership or an inheritance that each person can get their portion without a Kenyan. That doesn't follow even if you hold that there is Breira. So that's what the Gemara means to ask. It's not only a question on the view that there's no Breira when it comes to an inheritance, even if you hold there is Breira, but that Breira is very different than the Breira there was when they divided Eretz Yisrael. So even though when it came to Eretz Yisrael, they did not need a Kenyan, when it comes to dividing an inheritance or dissolving a partnership, they should need a Kenyan. So that's the deeper meaning of the Gemara's question. So on that, Rav Ashi answers, applying Rav Chaim's framework that there are two components to dividing Eretz Yisrael. One was the divine intervention, which completed the transfer, but then there was the actual division of the portions, which happened through the lottery alone, even absent Hashem's involvement. So says Rav Ashi, that's the way Rebbe Lezer intends to derive this case of dividing an inheritance from Eretz Yisrael. When it comes to the inheritance, we need to both divide the portions and then complete the transfer. Now, dividing the portions can happen through the lottery alone even though it's not a divine lottery. So that answers the Gemara's question. We do not need a divine lottery in order to divide the portions because we learn from the division of Eretz Yisrael that any lottery, even a regular old human lottery, still divides the portions. And that's what we apply to the case of inheritance that once the brothers do a lottery, it divides the portions. Now, there are separate portions, but we need to complete the transfer. So how are we going to do that without a divine lottery that shows exactly whose portion is supposed to belong to them from the beginning of time, which is not true when it comes to inheritance. So on that, Ravashi adds, because there's another component when it comes to inheritance, which is that each brother wants the transaction to be completed with the lottery alone. So that logic is able to complete the transfer of the portions to each of the brothers through the lottery alone. So basically, Ravashi is recreating the two components that were present when they divided Eretz Yisrael, on the one hand, the lottery, which divided the portions, and second, that Hashem's intervention ensured that each Shevet got the portion that was supposed to be theirs. So the way to recreate that in every other inheritance or partnership dissolving, which does not have that sort of divine intervention, is based on this logic, that since each of the parties wants the transfer to be completed, so that alone completes the transfer. 
So that's the explanation for what Rav Ashi is doing, building on Rebbe Lezer. Again, according to this version, which Rav Chaim says is the Ravids, there is no Ella. Rav Ashi is not replacing Rebbe Lezer with a different approach. He's building and adding to the original approach, and he's answering the question of the Gemara. And now Rav Chaim's explained the back and forth, what the question of the Gemara was, and how Rav Ashi is answering it using the two elements of how they divided Eretz Yisrael, and recreating that framework in terms of dividing any inheritance. So this explains how Rav Ashi could be building on Reb Lezer and how the Ravid would interpret this Gemara. So that's Rav Chaim's first suggestion, how to explain the comment of the Ravid. But now in the fourth paragraph, as Rav Chaim very often does, he questions this whole approach. So Rav Chaim raises the issue of whether there is a division of the inheritance if there's no Brera. Meaning, if we say that there is Brera when brothers divide an inheritance, so then it follows that there is a process of dividing the inheritance into portions because each brother is about to take his portion which belongs to him through this inheritance. So the estate needs to be divided into portions for that to happen. So if there's Brera, then it makes sense that there is a formal process of dividing the estate into portions. But if there's no Brera, So what that means is that each brother is effectively a buyer purchasing whatever he gets from the other brothers in exchange for giving them their portions. So there is no actual formal process of dividing the estate. Each of the heirs acquires their portion through this process of buying their portion. So there is no need to divide the estate into portions. That's one way to say it. Or perhaps even if we say that there's no Brera and the heirs are purchasing their portion from the other heirs, even so the estate has to be divided up because that is the rule of inheritance that first the estate has to be divided up before they do anything else. So perhaps even if there's no Brera and the brothers are Lekuchos, still there has to be a process dividing up the estate in order for the inheritance to occur. So that's what Rab Chaim wonders. He's not sure on the view that there's no Brera whether there is a separate process of dividing the estate and then each brother buys their portion or the whole inheritance happens and the whole estate is divided only through the process of each brother buying their portion of the inheritance. Now, if there is no need to divide up the inheritance, so then Rab Chaim's whole interpretation of this halacha is going to fall apart because since we hold halachically that there's no brera, so the brothers are buying their portion off of each other, so then there's no need to divide up the estate into different portions, so there's no role for the lottery to play. So there is no way for the the lottery to complete the transaction since we don't even need to divide the inheritance to begin with. So it's totally unrelated to what happened when they divided Eretz Yisrael. So in order to resolve this issue, Rab Chaim brings a proof from the ruling of the Rambam in the 11th chapter of Shemitah and Yovel. The Rambam writes, Brothers who divide an inheritance are like buyers. So they have to return their portion of the estate during the Yovel, the 50th Jubilee year, when all the buyers return their estates to the sellers. So to the brothers who divide an inheritance estate, so they are considered buyers and they have to return their section in Yovel. But they don't nullify the original division of the estate. 
In other words, they don't start all over and redivide the portions of the estate. The portions remain, but each brother has to return the specific portion that he got. So says Rab Chaim, we see from this that even though the brothers are considered buyers, but there's still another element that the inheritance estate has to be divided up. So it's not as Rab Chaim was suggesting that when each of the heirs buys his portion off of the others, that is the sole process of dissolving the inheritance estate. There has to be an actual formal process of dividing the estate into different portions. And then after that, the brothers go ahead and purchase their portion off of the others. So even though the Rambam holds that there is no Brera and the heirs are considered buyers, even so there is a formal process of dividing up the estate, which is how inheritance works, that first the estate has to be divided up and then the heirs purchase their portion off of the others. So we see that there is a formal process of dividing the estate. Says Rab Chaim that this explains the Gemara in Baba Basra, Kufzayin, that if brothers split up the estate and then their father's debtor, so someone that the father owed money to, comes and takes one of the portions. So let's say the estate is worth $300 and there were three brothers, so they each took a portion worth $100. And then it turned out their father owed someone $100, so he collects one of the portions in return for the debt. So the whole division has to start all over. They nullify the whole division at that point, and then they take the remaining estate, the $200 that's left, and divide it three ways between the three brothers, so they have to do a totally new division. So now Tosos asks, we hold that there's no Brera. So the brothers who divided the estate are Lekuchos. They bought their portions off of each other. So in this case, where one of the brothers loses his portion to a debtor, why do they nullify the entire division and start all over again? Why don't we treat this like any case where someone buys property off someone else and then it gets collected as part of a debt where the seller would have to compensate the money that the buyer lost? So the same should apply in this case. One of the brothers bought this $100 portion off of his two other brothers, and then it was taken from him. So the other brothers should compensate him financially with money. But why do we nullify the entire division and start all over? Since there's no Brera, so these brothers are all buyers off of each other. So the brother who lost his portion to the debtors should be treated like any other buyer, and they should just have to return money to him, but not redivide the entire estate. Says Rab Chaim, based on his principle that he based on the Rambam, so this answers Tosus's question. Because in addition to the rule that the brothers are buying their portions off of each other, there's another rule that they need to divide the estate properly. And that was not done in this case. Because since when they divided it, it turned out that that portion didn't belong to the inheritance. It actually belonged to the the debtor, so they did not properly divide the estate to begin with. So that element of splitting up the inheritance, that it needs to be divided, was never accomplished, so they need to go back and do it all over again. It's not purely that they each buy their portion off of the other heirs, in which case we would treat this situation as a regular case where someone bought property and then a debtor took it from them, but in this case, there's an additional component that the inheritance 
inheritance estate has to be properly divided up and that's what needs to be redone all over again when the debtor took one of the brother's portions. So this idea is going to answer Tosis's question in Babe Basra. But now Rab Chaim adds very brilliantly that this whole idea of the Rambam is actually going to depend on the two versions of the text of the Gemara, whether there's an Ella or not. So this is a very brilliant additional step. The Gemara in Erevin Lamed Zion says that according to Rabbi Yossi, there's no Brera when the brothers split up the inheritance. Now the Gemara in Babe Basra is quoting Rabbi Yossi that if the brothers split up using a lottery, that completes the transfer. So now if we apply back in the issue of whether there's an Ella, so if we have the version of the Raivid that there is no Ella and Rav Ashi is building on Rabbi Lezer, so that means even at the end of the Gemara, we're still deriving the case of the inheritance from the division of Eretz Yisrael, even though when it comes to inheritance, ain't Breira. So if we put all this together, it means even though when the heirs split the inheritance, there's no Breira, so they are Lekuchos, they're buying it off of each other, still we derive that division from dividing Eretz Yisrael. So it must be like the Rambam said that there is an element of dividing the estate even though the brothers are lekuchos. So they're not pure lekuchos, pure purchasers like any other case, but there's a mixture. They're both heirs as well as buyers. So we have to combine and balance both of them, which is how the Rambam put it in Hilchos Shemitah Yovel. So that's exactly what the Gemara in Baba Basra is saying, that even though the brothers are buyers, so they're purchasing their portion of the inheritance off of each other, but they're also heirs as well. So there needs to be a division of the estate and that we derive from the division of Eretz Yisrael. So that all follows if there is no Ella. On the other hand, if there is an Ella, and Rav Ashi is saying a totally different approach, rejecting the idea that we derive inheritance from dividing Eretz Yisrael, so that could be because Rabbi Yossi holds Ein Breira, so the brothers are buyers, so there's no division of the estate at all, there's no need to split up the inheritance into different portions, because the brothers are just going to buy their piece off of their other brothers, so there is no need for a formal division of the estate, and it's totally unrelated to the division of Eretz Yisrael. So that's why, in conclusion, Rav Ashi says that there is no comparison between dividing an inheritance and dividing Eretz Yisrael, because there actually is no division of the inheritance. The brothers just purchase their part from the rest of the brothers. So brothers who divide an inheritance, according to this approach, if there is an Ella, are totally like buyers. They have nothing in common with heirs, and there is no division vision of the estate that's necessary. Each brother just acquires his portion purely through the act of buying it from the other brothers. So this issue as to whether there is an element of dividing the estate even if you hold Ein Breira and the brothers are buyers, that depends on whether there is an Ella in this Gemara. But says Rab Chaim, putting this all together, so this undermines his whole reading of the Raivid. Because according to his approach, the Raivid does not have an Ella. So Rav Ashi is building on Rab Lezer, but everyone holds that we learn out the case of inheritance from dividing Eretz Yisrael. And according to the Raivid, this Gemara only fits into the view that there is Breira in dividing an inheritance. But we hold La Halacha that there is no Breira, so that's why we don't follow this Gemara. But now Rab Chaim just 
pointed out that the author of the halacha in the Gemara in Baba Basra is Rabbi Yossi, who holds there is no Brera. So very clearly the Gemara in Baba Basra is not following the approach that there is Brera because Rabbi Yossi holds there is no Brera and the Gemara still fits into that approach based on how Rab Chaim just explained it, that there's still a necessity to divide the inheritance, the estate, even if you hold Ein Breira and the brothers are Lekuchos. So his whole reading of the Raivid that this Gemara is limited to the view that Yesh Breira is not going to work because it clearly works even in the view that there's no Breira. So instead, Rab Chaim suggests a different explanation for the Raivid's comment, which is a much smaller disagreement and a much more technical issue. The Raivid is not disagreeing with the overall halacha of the Rambam, because again, that's very hard to imagine, given that the Rambam is quoting an explicit Gemara. So the Raivid also agrees that the lottery is going to complete the transfer of the different portions of the inheritance. So what is the Raivid disagreeing with the Rambam on? Says Rab Chaim, he's disagreeing with a very minor point. The way the Rambam formulated the logic of Rav Ashi is that since each of the brothers gets a benefit from following the lottery, so they all agree for the lottery to complete the transfer. And on that, the Raivid disagrees. He doesn't like that language that it's because the brothers are getting benefit. The Raivid holds that the reason the lottery works is more fundamental because since a lottery worked in order to divide up Eretz Yisrael, as Rab Chaim explained, the lottery Lottery is what divided the land into different portions. So we derive from there that a lottery does have some fundamental powers in dividing up property. So it's not just like the Rambam is saying it, that the lottery itself has no power. It's just that the brothers all agree to follow whatever the lottery says. It's more fundamental, according to the Raivid, that the lottery does have the ability to divide up the portions of the estate. So according to this second approach, that's what the Raivid is questioning the Rambam about. He's not disagreeing at all with the actual halacha. He too agrees that the lottery will complete the transaction. He's just disagreeing with the formulation of the Rambam as to why it works. According to the Rambam, it's because each of the brothers benefits from following the lottery. Whereas according to the Raivid, it's more fundamental that the lottery has the power to divide up the estate. Now, the reason the Rambam does use that language, so Rab Chaim says that there's two possibilities, either because the Rambam is trying to add an additional component. In other words, he agrees with the Raivid that a lottery has a fundamental power to divide up the estate, but the Rambam is trying to add the second component that Rab Chaim explained, what creates the final transfer of the property. Even though the lottery is able to divide up the estate into different portions, but what completes that transfer to each brother. So that's what Rav Ashi said, that since all of the brothers are benefiting from this, they all want the lottery to complete the transfer. So they don't need a Kenyan because they all agree to follow whatever the lottery says. So the Rambam is trying to add that second component, even though he too agrees with what the Ravid said, that a lottery is able to divide up the estate, which is a necessity according to the Rambam. Or alternatively, says Rav Chaim, like he said earlier, the Rambam 
does have the version of the Gemara with an Ella. So Rav Ashi is proposing a new approach, not building on Rebbe Lezer. He's rejecting Rebbe Lezer's idea. So according to Rav Ashi, we do not compare the case of inheritance to dividing Eretz Yisrael. So in fact, at the end of the Gemara, a lottery does not have any fundamental power to divide up property. So that's why the Rambam says the whole power of the lottery is limited only to the fact that the brothers agree to follow the results of the lottery, but there is no fundamental power to lotteries to divide up property, even though that's the way it worked when they divided Eretz Yisrael. But that's the view of Rebbe Lezer, that dividing Eretz Yisrael is comparable to other divisions of property, whereas Rav Ashi totally rejects that, and he thinks that was a one-time event where the lottery was able to divide Eretz Yisrael, but future lotteries, which are not divine, have no power whatsoever to divide up property. So according to this suggestion, the Rambam disagrees with the Ravid. He thinks that there is no fundamental rule that lotteries are able to divide up property. That was a one-time event. But the reason why lotteries work to divide up inheritances is purely because the brothers agree to follow the results of the lottery. It's not due to any power of the lottery itself. So this is how Rab Chaim proposes to read the debate between the Rambam and the Ravid, that it's in a small all limited issue as to how to formulate the reason why a lottery works in order to divide up the inheritance and complete the transfer of the property to each brother. Now, in the final small paragraph, Sir Ab Chaim adds one nice point to explain why the Ravid read the Gemara the way he did. So Rab Chaim explains that the difference between the two versions of the Gemara, whether there's an Ella, whether Rav Ashi is disagreeing with Rebbe Lezer or building on him, so that distinction is going to impact whether the lottery alone, without the divine intervention, had the ability to divide up Eretz Yisrael. So again, throughout this piece, Rab Chaim's been going back and forth on whether the lottery had power in and of itself to split up Eretz Yisrael, even without the klapi v'urim v'tumim, the divine intervention. So that's going to be the difference between these two versions of the Gemara. If Rav Ashi is giving a totally new answer, so that means he's rejecting the lottery to divide Eretz Yisrael as a precedent that lottery has power to divide property. So according to the Ella Girsa, at the end of the Gemara, a lottery has no power to accomplish anything. And the way Eretz Yisrael was divided was only because of the divine intervention in the lottery, as opposed to the other version where there's no Ella. So then Rav Ashi also agrees that the lottery has a lasting financial power to divide up property, even if there's no divine intervention, like regular cases of splitting up property. Says Rav Chaim, the Ravid has to have that version of the Gemara missing the Ella because the Shita Mekubetzes in Baba Basra, Kufchaf Aleph, quotes the view of the Ravid that after they split up Eretz Yisrael and gave it to each tribe, so now each of the tribes then had to go take their portion and further divide it amongst all their families. So there was another process of dividing up the land that each tribe did internally to give the portion that they had been allotted to the various families that made up that tribe. So the Ravid quoted in the Shittim Kubetzis held that that secondary division, the internal tribal division, was done by lottery alone, without divine intervention. So the second lottery had no klapi v'urim and it was still a 
effective to divide the land up amongst the various families of that Shevet. So from this, we see that the Raivet holds at the end of the day that a division by lottery does work, even if it does not have Klapiv Urimitumim, even if it's a regular lottery without divine intervention. And that was how each Shevet divided up the property amongst their families. So that's why the Raivet is forced to have the text of the Gemara that is missing the Ella, because according to the Raivet, we can't say that Rav Ashi rejects the whole notion of a lottery divided up property. So it must be that Rav Ashi is building on Reb Lezer. So everyone agrees that the lottery does have financial power to divide up the property. The only issue that Rav Ashi is dealing with is what creates the Kenyan in dividing up the inheritance, even though the lottery is able to divide up the estate. But how does each brother acquire their portion when it's not preordained by Hashem? So the answer to that is that all the brothers agree to transfer the property because they all want the lottery to work. So that's the way the Raivid read that Gemara with Rav Ashi. So again, this last little bit supports the idea that the Raivid has the version of the Gemara that is missing the Ella. And throughout this piece, Rab Chaim thinks that the Rambam does have the Ella. So according to the Rambam, at the end of the Gemara, Rav Ashi rejects the legitimacy of a lottery and he holds that the whole reason that the inheritance can be split up through lottery is because the brothers agree to transfer the property in such a case. So this is Rab Chaim's explanation of this halacha in the Rambam and what the Ravid's comment is supposed to mean. The key conceptual point that Rab Chaim develops is that when it came to dividing Eretz Yisrael or when it comes to dividing an inheritance, there are two components that are necessary. One is the actual division of the land or the estate. And then further, there needs to be a Kenyan. Now, dividing Eretz Yisrael, both of those were met by the lottery because the lottery was done through divine intervention which gave each Shevet the portion that they were supposed to get as opposed to an inheritance where the first part can be accomplished by a lottery, the estate can be divided up, but the transfer of the property requires this idea that each of the brothers buys into the lottery and agrees for the lottery to be binding. So that's the way Rab Chaim sets up this halacha, and he adds that even if we follow the halacha of Ein Breira, that when an inheritance is divided, it does not clarify which section each of them was supposed to get, but rather the heir are like lekuchos, they're buying it off of each other. But even so, Rab Chaim says, there is still a dual component that there needs to be a division of the estate. That's the way inheritance works. And in addition to that, the brothers or the heirs are buying their portion off of the other heirs. So this is the way Rab Chaim sets up the whole concept of dividing an inheritance estate and the mechanism through which it works. Now, in the back of the Or Olam edition, so they quote various important comments about some of the points that Rab Chaim makes in this piece, and I'm just going to go through one of them. The stipler in his marginal comments on Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim Halevi, as well as Diane Fisher, so they both make the point that there is another way to read the comment of the Ravid. There is a question what the Gemara means by Kanu Kulam. So let's say there's three brothers, and there's an estate worth $300. So they divide it into portions of $100, and then they start the lottery, and the first brother gets his portion. 
portion. So the Brisa says that the other two acquire their portions. Now, what does that mean? So the Magid Mishnah on this halacha quotes a debate from the Rashba, and the Raivin and the Shittim Kubetzis on Baba Basra, Kuvvav Medbez, also goes through this. So basically, there are two different ways to understand this. Either it means that the other two brothers acquire the rest of the estate, but they don't automatically agree to divide it through a lottery. So the first brother who already got his portion, he can't change his mind and he's done. But the other two, if one of them changes their mind and says, I don't want to be part of the lottery anymore, they could choose to do so. So that's the first approach. And then the second approach is that neither of the two remaining brothers can back out of the lottery at all. They're both stuck doing the lottery. So kanu kulam, they all acquire means that once one of the brothers gets his portion through a lottery, the rest of them, even though they didn't pick their portions yet, are stuck and none of them can back out of the lottery anymore. And that is what the Raivid and the Rashba agree to. So the way they interpret this is that somehow the Raivid saw in the language of the Rambam that the Rambam holds like the other view, that one of the remaining brothers could still back out of the lottery. Only the brother that got his portion is stuck. And the Raivid disagrees with that. But it's unclear to me where in the language of the Rambam the Raivid would have seen that. And that's perhaps why Rab Chaim does not interpret the Raivid's critique in that that way because he doesn't think that the Rambam is taking a stand on that issue. And that's also what it seems like from the Magid Mishnah, that the Rambam does not take a firm stand one way or the other. So either way, that's another approach as to how to interpret this comment of the Raivid that he's arguing on a more technical detail, whereas Rab Chaim initially tries to interpret it in a more conceptual way, but then he backs off of it. So that's in terms of how to interpret the Raivid. And Rab Chaim uses this terse, mysterious comment of the Raivid as a springboard to develop his conceptual analysis. Now, it's also worth pointing out that Rab Chaim makes a very important comment, which some of the later commentaries pick up on, which is that even according to the view that there's no Brera when brothers or heirs split up an inheritance estate, even so, there does have to be a formal act of dividing the estate. So Rab Chaim says that even though they're considered lekuchos, they're purchasing their portions off of each other, but they're also a mixture of yorshim. So they're both heirs as well as purchasers. So that's a very important formulation in terms of how to understand what dividing an inheritance is in halacha, that even though the Gemara calls them purchasers, but Rab Chaim says there is an element of heirs that they have to divide up the estate which is the meaning of inheriting an estate.